A reading from the Gospel of John. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, this man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes. And then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered him, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. The Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Then the man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sin and you are trying to teach us? And they drove him out. 
Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when, they found, when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So about two years ago, um, I had just ended the memorial service of one of our elderly church members, uh, Mama Jean, who had died after a long battle with cancer a few weeks earlier. And I had gone downstairs for the reception afterwards when I saw um, the faces of our staff team, and I could tell that something had happened during the service. And they said, um, we just got the news. Gay Wagner died this morning. Now, Gay was a member of our congregation. She was a mother of three in her 50s, just a beautiful, beautiful soul. Her youngest son, um, David, had Down syndrome. And David used to love to dance in the back of the sanctuary with me after service. And I knew that Gay had been in the hospital the past few days um, because she'd been having some difficulty breathing. And so I immediately picked up the phone to call her husband, John, and sure enough, I saw that there was a message from him, and his voice was breaking over the phone as he told me the news um, that she died suddenly from heart failure in the hospital. So at that moment, my mind just immediately went back um, to a conversation that I'd had with Gay the previous fall. And I remember we were sitting on the couch in her living room, and um, she had been a, a breast cancer survivor, and she'd been in remission and in, in, in good health for several years, but in that fall, she'd had a kidney infection. And so I'd come over um, to bring her the Eucharist. And as we're talking, she's like, out of the blue, she goes, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death. And the funny thing is that we weren't even talking about death, but I remember the look on her face. And she wasn't being melodramatic or trying to come off as super spiritual. Like if you knew Gay, she was like one of the most down to earth, like least pretentious people that you would ever know. But she just said it very matter of factly, you know, just like it was just true for her. And so it struck me because, you know, that's not the kind of thing that you hear people say very often and, and like really mean it. So for example, like I'm a priest and I'm not gonna pretend like I'm not afraid of death. Like I'm totally one of those people who like when I get a really bad headache, I go on WebMD and diagnose myself, which is just a terrible idea. I've actually stopped doing that. You know, but then I would go on WebMD and I would stress out about like having a brain tumor for the rest of the day. You know, and our society um, you know, has entire industries that are built on our collective fear of death you know, to avoid thinking about it or denying it or to stave it off, you know, as long as we possibly can. You know, and yet, you know, here we are 
you know, we're in this um, moment as deaths from the coronavirus rapidly increase around the world, and we're feeling it, you know, in a very real way here on our doorstep, you know, in the U.S. So there are many things in this life um, that are uncertain, but death is not one of them. And as much as we try to avoid it or try to deny it, here is what is just true, that one day you are going to die. And so am I. And so is every single person walking around on the planet right now. And it doesn't matter whether you are rich or poor, it doesn't matter if you're old or young, whether it's this very week or 50 years from now, death is something that every single one of us is going to face one day. This has always been true for people for centuries past and for people in countries around the world today, death from disease or a war are, are daily living realities that is, is in their face all the time. And now the seemingly invincible, indomitable US is being brought to its knees and our illusions of strength and wealth and security and control are just being stripped away. Now, death is the ultimate surrender. It's the ultimate loss of control because you can't do anything to stop it. You can't do anything to prevent it from happening. You can't take anything with you or anyone with you. There are no guarantees and that's, that's really scary. So today's psalm from the lectionary just happened to be Psalm 23. And you know, sometimes the lectionary readings, they just hit it right on the nose. And I just felt like today was one of those days. Now, I love this entire psalm, as I know many of you do, but this is a line that stuck out to me the most. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Like, how is it possible to say I will fear no evil. How is it possible to say, I'm not afraid of death? The psalmist answers why, how that's possible. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And it's possible to say something like that. Even when you're afraid, when you believe that there is something, you know, someone greater than death, greater than evil, right there in the middle of that darkness with you. So the book of Hebrews calls Jesus our brother and says that he tasted death for everyone. And so he is, as the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, the firstborn from the dead. It's kind of a curious title, right? The firstborn from the dead. So you know how the oldest child always goes through everything first, right? So they are the first ones to go to kindergarten, first one to go through puberty, first one to drive, you know, first one to leave home for college. Like I'm the youngest of three daughters. And there was a certain comfort watching my oldest sister, Grace, go through everything first, you know, all these things before me and then come out you know, on the other side. Well, Jesus is that firstborn brother for us who not only walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, but he's gone before us into death, into life, into resurrection, into glory. And scripture tells us that he drank the cup of suffering and tasted death for everyone. And in so doing, he disarmed its power over us. 
So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Since therefore the children, that's us, share flesh and blood, meaning we're human and mortal, he himself likewise shared the same thing, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm scared too. I'm afraid too. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know what lies ahead for us. So over this past week at St. Peter's, you know, as we've been kind of scrambling and just in go mode, trying to get our worship online and our community online, you know, work out how we're going to function remotely, you know, worrying about finances in the future. Like I kept on saying to myself, or maybe I was saying it to God, I'm not sure. I can't see the way ahead of me. You know, I can't see what's before me. I can't see the way ahead of me. You know, and that's, that's just true. You know, that's just true. But there are other things that are true, too. And on Thursday morning, I got this text from my friend, Abby, who I haven't talked to her in months. And just out of the blue, she writes, she calls me Celie. Morning, Celie. I was missing you, so I prayed for you on my run to have strength as you pastor a church through yet another difficult season. I had an image and prayer of a child on a father's shoulders with her little hands covering his eyes. And I felt God saying, I never lose vision for what is ahead as I carry you. I never lose vision for what is ahead as I carry you. It just it was so what I needed to hear in that moment. And maybe that's what you need to hear in this moment too, that Jesus, he's not only our firstborn brother, he is also our good shepherd who now leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake because he never loses vision for what is ahead as he guides us, leads us, carries us through this valley of the shadow of death. And so my brothers and sisters, I wanna just read this psalm again to um, remind us, yes, things are scary. Yes, we don't know what's going to happen. But this is also true. And I invite you, you can even just close your eyes and let me pray this as a prayer over us. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil, our cup overflows. Surely goodness, and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.